Hello there. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Talk to me, Goose. You want to steal the Declaration of Independence? Why so serious? I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome, everybody, to the One Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg, and today I got Isaac and Josh joining me today to talk about the Passion of the Christ for our Easter-themed episode. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. You didn't give me an opportunity to give the morning uh, <sighs> intro. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, go ahead. Good morning. morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Anyways. <laughs> oh, a countered with an afternoon. Well, it is Good Friday today when this is releasing a very significant day in Christian history, the day that Jesus died on the cross. And we'll be talking about the Passion of the Christ and all of the topics that that covers because it is literally describing what happened today and what we celebrate Jesus doing back when he was alive and died. And we commemorate it on this day. So I hope we have some great discussion. If you guys have more discussion, please feel free to join our Discord where we will have a lot of conversation going on over there about this topic and other things. Also releasing today is an audio drama that I wrote and created as a way to kind of expand our scope of entertainment that the One Night Film Podcast wants to introduce. We want to kind of create a audio drama style of entertainment as well as this podcast and maybe branch out into even more things like maybe short films. No promises, but that is my dream and this is the first step in that. I've written an audio drama inspired by Adventures in Odyssey Pause and Tales, those old scripted podcasts, kind of, that's what they're called now. So go listen to that if you're interested. It's out now, just below this episode. Give it a listen and let us know what you think of that. But let's jump right into talking about the movie. This has been sort of a, not a, the movie itself isn't controversial, but it brings up something that I talked about in episode zero, which you should have listened to by now. Hopefully, please listen to it. But is The Passion of the Christ the only R-rated movie Christians are allowed to watch? That seems to be the feeling around this movie, it's the only acceptable R movie that a Christian should consume. But as we've talked about movies in the past three months that we've been releasing these episodes, we've discussed that we all have our own boundaries for movies. And so we should not look at The Passion of the Christ as the only R-rated movie we can watch. I understand that a lot of people, that it's best for them to decide to stay away from R-rated movies, that is okay. But The Passion of the Christ is one of those movies that kind of breaks the boundaries of all R-rated movies are bad. Because for some reason, when you say, I will never watch an R-rated movie, now that discludes this movie specifically, but also some other movies that are decently good in their own right. Like, I think of war movies specifically that Deacon and I kind of covered in the horror movies episode, where it shows you the grotesque nature of what they're showing. And that also fits in with this movie, the whole entire point of this movie. As you said, Seth, it's it's a heavy movie. This wasn't the first time that I've watched this movie. I watched it before, but again, every time I, I watch this movie, I always come away, you know, as you do with most movies, you come away with something new, but especially because this is more of a spiritual movie, it you, you come away with something new on a, on a more spiritual level. But it's also one of the few movies that consistently makes me cry every time I watch it. Not because it's, I mean, because it's sad, but it's also because, again, it's it's spiritual and it's, I'm the reason that this is happening. And it kind of hits on that deeper level. And every time I've watched this movie, I've always sworn to myself, I'll never watch this movie again. Never, not again. And then each time I watch it again, I'm like, it's, it's good. 
I just don't want to have to go through this again. Yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. It is a very difficult movie to watch. It's heavy. And it's heavy for good reason, because we know that the events that take place in this are real. They followed the Bible almost as a script. Now there's definitely a few things that they added, a few things that they took away, and a few things that are just different than what's in the Bible, all adapted for a film's sake, obviously, right? We talked about that a little bit in Prince of Egypt. But this specifically is just trying to show the actual torment that Jesus went through just before he died on the cross. And it's meant to be heavy. It's not meant for you to go away from it as if you were entertained. And I think that's what's so unique about it is because movies nowadays, or I can't really think of many movies other than like you mentioned, Seth, war movies. We don't really go to it all the time necessarily for entertainment. We go to it because we understand the reality that's behind it. And I remember the first time I watched it, we were on vacation. I think I was like 12, 13. 12, 13 is a little young to watch this, but my parents wanted me to understand how real what happened in the Gospels was. Like, Jesus' death isn't something that you can just read on a page and understand that this is so real. Now, it's more than just what's on the page. It's a spiritual level, like you mentioned, Isaac. You connect with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, right? And you should feel the pain that Jesus felt when you watch a movie like this because you're invested because, yes, all of the events that happen in it are happening because of us. Jesus died for us. And it's just crazy to experience something like that on a film. And I'll admit it, it's not enjoyable, but I would say that it's definitely beneficial for uh, your spiritual walk. Yeah, it is a difficult watch. Some people have had extreme reactions to it. I believe there was a story when it first came out of a woman who had a heart attack and died because it was so intense, which is sad to hear, but this is known as one of the most realistic depictions of Jesus' crucifixion and the torture that he went through. And we talked about this in the horror movie episode with Deacon. If you don't see it for yourself on the big screen, which is our new medium of storytelling, you're not going to understand the intensity the same way as reading it. Many people have done their research and understood that it was horrible. You can research the crucifixion process, right? And it can you, you can understand that the torture would be painful. Does that even need to be said? But Seeing it will make you feel completely different. The, the Precious Moments Bible does not do it justice. I wish I had the one, I, I know my mom still has a children's book on our shelf, a children's picture Bible that I wish I could look at and compare that Jesus on the cross to the Passion of the Christ. That toned down style of crucifixion is for innocent toddlers to introduce them to the concept of Jesus dying on the cross. That is an appropriate style for that type of maturity. But for mature adults like us, it's crucial to comprehend the gravity of this story, this account, and the climax to the greatest story ever told. If we have the, the, the one little blood drip down Jesus's head and that's it, we've missed the point. The point is that it is the worst punishment for, for sin. That is the judgment for sin is torture and death and how that manifested itself in this Roman death sentence. And even Mel Gibson, who made the movie, I watched a specific interview with him just talking about this, and he knew that he felt called to make this. I believe he is a Catholic, or at least a conservative Catholic, who kind of leans towards Protestantism as well. But he understands that 
nobody had really shown it yet. And he wanted to do that because he had the tools at his fingertips to do this. And he knew that it needed to be done to, like I've been saying, show the gravity of the situation. And he went through a lot of spiritual attacks for that. He said in an interview, I'll, I'll link this below so you can watch it. He felt a lot of spiritual attacks from doing this movie. And that is understandable. It is a spiritually heavy movie. And the, the forces of evil were probably really against him for him making this film. And thank God that he got to produce it and show it to millions, if not billions of people over the last 20 years. So I'm gonna talk about the way they structured the movie a little bit. This is not me making light of the content of the movie. I just kind of want to talk about it from a filmmaking standpoint. I liked the way they told the story from the Garden of Gethsemane to taking Jesus' body off the cross with intermittent flashbacks. The reason it's called the Passion of the Christ, the, the, the word passion is, I didn't know this, usually referenced to the suffering of Jesus. And it quite literally starts at the suffering of Jesus when he starts sweating blood, praying in the garden, to when he is no longer suffering and he has died. That is the start and the end. And the way they fill in any background information is through those flashbacks. And I think they did a really good job making those go in between the the actual story for those emotional beats. I do like the story element of how it really does just seem to follow like the biblical narrative of when Jesus started in Gethsemane to the very last moment that he had on the cross. I, I really like the way that we're able to visualize that those three, four chapters of the Bible in a way that, as you said, never really had been done before. It was all kind of just flowered up and made to look pretty and nice. And this was a, a brutal, down-to-earth way of doing it that I think strikes home to many people. Yeah, what did, what did you guys think of the accuracy of having the actors learn Aramaic and Greek and all that? I personally loved the idea of hearing it in the original language. Something about the immersion that it gave me. Now, a lot of people don't like reading subtitles, and I get that. But also, grow up, not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mind reading the subtitles. I understand why other people don't like reading them, but I just love hearing it just as it was. Me personally, my personal opinion, I like the idea of trying to stay as true to how it was in the Bible. And in the Bible, they did not speak English. Mm -hmm. So, speak the language that they were speaking in the Bible, not to twist it to what we would understand now. Again, I could see it going both ways, but that's, again, just what I prefer. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really like the fact that, as you, as you put it, Josh, it's almost kind of like an immersion into it. It allows us to kind of sink deeper into what we're seeing. I, I would be intrigued if they made one where they just spoke English for it, and they did that one. How people would react to that compared to in the original biblical language. Just an interesting kind of study to look at and be like, okay, well, you know, people seem to respond to it more when it was in the original language and they could feel like they were there. And something I would also think is interesting, which I would almost fear of, if they wrote it in English, is I wouldn't want them to be improvising any lines. I'd want it all to be as it was written in the Bible. And I think the easiest way to have it as it was written in the Bible is take away their ability to improvise. Sometimes you forget your line and you want to switch it up just a little bit, but that's not something you can do with the lines of the Bible. So I think switching the language entirely and having them basically memorize the lines as it was back then was a very good way to also 
not only just keep the realism, help you immerse, but also prevent any sort of weird translation errors or some weird ad-lib that would be hinder some of the quality of the content. Yeah, they stuck very close to the biblical account, all four of them. I believe he stuck to one specific gospel, I can't remember which one. But I believe, I have not confirmed this, that all of Jesus' lines were directly quoted from the Bible. Any other characters, he had a little bit more creative freedom, and I actually want to bring that up here in a bit. But I believe all of Jesus' lines were verbatim what are in the scriptures. Yeah, and so it's most important about it. Yeah. So I, I agree. I, I really like that call by Mel Gibson. And he kept it very doctrinally neutral or denominationally neutral by sticking so closely to the biblical account. It can be watched without error from a lot of people. Now, he did get some backlash from the Jews, surprisingly, because they didn't like how he portrayed the Pharisees, <laughs> um, which is funny because... That's the way that it went down. Exactly. You can't be upset at what you did. Exactly. <laughs> but obviously, he got a lot more backlash than that. But it is, a, like I said, a neutral movie where all of our denominations can agree on it for the most part because it's just shows the core truth. It kind of leans into Catholic tradition and what the church holds as traditionally, you know, this is what the names of the two thieves on the cross might have been. We don't know that from the biblical account. There could be very good reason that those were their names. It doesn't really matter. But I mentioned a little bit before the, not ad-libbing like Josh was talking about, but creative liberty to write a little bit extra of a character and specifically Pilate. He was with his wife in that one scene, and he, again, asks what is truth, but he asks it to her in a way where he actually is contemplating it. Like, he doesn't know. He, the way we read it in scripture, he's mocking Jesus, like, what is truth? And he says that when he's talking to Jesus. But when he's with his wife, he says, what is truth? Like, I can't actually think what truth is now that I've talked to this man. And she says a very, very interesting line. She says, if you will not hear the truth, no one can tell you. And that's not like a super deep type of line, but it's true nonetheless. It If you do not want to hear the facts presented to you, then no one can tell you the truth because you just won't listen. And I wonder if this is even kind of a meta statement about the movie. If you don't want to know about God, then no one can tell you about the saving salvation of Jesus because you're just going to have a hard heart and closed ears to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very profound. And of the scenes like that, I actually liked having additional just characters around. I thought it was very interesting. Also some very interesting ideas as to kind of just what was going along. You could also kind of just put yourself in other people's shoes as well. Like the acting was amazing, but also having these extra scenes and maybe just putting yourself in someone's shoes. Like I have no idea what I would do if I was in pilot situation, but I would definitely be questioning stuff like he was in the movie. And I thought that's a very interesting way to kind of just portray each of the characters. Yeah, even even going beyond Pilate, we get views from like soldiers, just the, the average Roman soldier. And you can put yourself in their shoes and look at it and be like, okay, this is somebody that was that's being accused of something. I'm just here to do my job and maybe have a little bit of fun with it. But then as, as it goes on and on, you kind of just, I mean, even with the whipping scene, as you get further and further into that, you kind of just get to the point where you're like, I, I want this to stop. Mm -hmm. This is too much. And it just keeps going. And it, it's, yeah, it's crazy. The whipping scene is probably the most difficult scene to watch. I, I even know every single thing that they were going to do. Like when I was a, when I was a counselor at a summer camp, I would tell my campers, 
who are junior high, they could handle it <laughs> about the intensities of this process. And the I told them about like the the hooks grabbing into their skin and ripping. And I I guess I haven't said this yet. I watched it for the first time just before we recorded this episode. And it was emotional to see what I had been explaining. I knew it. Like I said, this is the whole point of this whole movie is to see what you know in real life. Like I knew all of the things that would happen, but seeing it just hits you totally different, both on a physical level, like Deacon has said in his episode on horror movies, sometimes it's just a physical reaction to gore, but this one is just another layer of spiritual depth and weight. And I think now that I'm thinking about it, there's one line that Jesus said that probably I don't think is recorded anywhere in scripture, or at least this specific quote, maybe he said the concept, but the line is when Jesus sees Mary, he's carrying the cross and Mary runs over to see him basically one last time. And he whispers to her, see mother, I make all things new. And this is the point. And I noticed that Mary had not been really emotional this whole movie. And this is the point where I realized she is probably the only person alive who understands what's going on. She is a wreck because she doesn't want to see her son be tortured and die, but she understands better than anyone alive at that point what the purpose is and why it's happening. She has been on this journey before Jesus was alive because she birthed him. She was visited by the angel and understood that this was for the salvation of everyone. And so she has this acceptance of like, this is happening for God's glory, even though it's ripping my heart in two. And Jesus says, saying, see mother, I make all things new, is confirming that with her and like acknowledging her and almost appreciating her for all that she's done for him in the past 30 years. Like you, Seth, I watched this movie, ooh, I gotta think, I think back in 10th grade, I think, and yeah, when I would tell junior high campers at church camp about this story, I would get hung up on it especially at the whipping scene, because that was the image that would just play in my head, is I'm trying to describe it to them and get it across, and all I can think about is watching it bite into the actor's flesh and get ripped out and just... I can't count the number of times where I've told this story, and I've just had to take a 10-second pause just to compose myself again, because it's, it's so real, and it hurts to watch. And to make it a little easier, it, it, it doesn't because the movie is very, like we've said, weighty. When you watch the behind the scenes, they were obviously very careful with how they did it. It's very interesting, at least to me, to watch those scenes and see how they did it both with prosthetics, with visual effects, and with practical protection on whatever they were doing on that day of filming. So if you want to watch that, you can go look those up as well. The whole whipping scene, it's we're going to probably talk about this, bro, but I can never watch this scene without crying. This is the part that I start crying, and I won't stop until he's risen in the very last scene. I, I just can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen the movie many times. Again, I watched it back when I was maybe 12, 13 on a vacation. I watched it probably a few times in between there, but then I also watched it again just on Friday, bald. But <laughs> just before the episode, I wanted to watch it again just to make sure everything was fresh in my head. So I only had like 45 minutes after I got off work. So I put it in like three, four times speed just to try and get through it. But I still started tearing up at that scene, even though everyone's sprinting around on the screen. You'd think it would make the situation lighter, but no, it's still just so heavy. It, it will, it hurts. 
Like, it just genuinely hurts you. And if you are watching that scene and it doesn't hurt you, I would question how deep your faith really is. Now, I don't want to say that this movie is like a requirement to be watched as a Christian. I don't want to say that at all because you do not have to watch it. It is very heavy, it is difficult, but from what I have seen in my own personal life and from everyone I know who has seen the movie, even people at church, we talk about it openly at church just because of how well the movie was made. I've only seen benefits in people's spiritual walk from them watching the movie and I can highly recommend it because of that. I tried to get my dad to watch this movie. Again, it's not something I wanna watch because it's so heavy and it, it's so real. But when I've asked my dad about why he hasn't watched it, he said, because it's so hard to even think about watching someone that you love go through so much pain, much less have it be a, a physical image and representation of that. Even though it's not actually him, it's still, it's an actor, it's still an actor portraying Jesus and watching that happen. It makes sense to me. I understand why he doesn't want to do it and I can't fault him for that. But it's, it, it is something you have to think about is this is somebody, if you're a Christian, this is somebody who you love deeply for what he's done for you. And you have to watch what he's done for you and realize, holy crap, this is... This is some stuff he had to do. I totally understand your dad's approach to it. it. If you understand that that's how you would watch it, it is understandable that it would be that difficult. But I also agree with Josh. If you need a kind of a wake-up moment in what you deserve for your sin, this movie it will do that for you. When you realize that it should have been you being lashed, being tortured and hung on that cross, that is a wake-up call. And the thanks that we can give to Jesus for, for doing that for us and for loving us unconditionally to the point where he endured that for us. And again, this, this really happened, but the presentation of this in a movie like The Passion of the Christ is so necessary. Especially, it's, it's, a, it's a great key to us. It's not a requirement. Like Josh said, we sh not every Christian needs to watch this movie, but it is a very helpful piece of the puzzle if you want to understand in a different way this concept of crucifixion and Jesus sacrificing himself. Mm -hmm. I definitely agreed. And again, everything can be a tool to grow your spiritual faith. This movie, great way. There are a few things that I would argue are required to grow in your spiritual faith and are definitely signs that you are a Christian, like reading your Bible and having a walk of faith. Now, a few other things that aren't technically required to be saved is going to church. That's, you don't have to go to church to be saved, but if you are serious about being a Christian, you should go to any step that you can to grow your faith. Church is an example of that. Now, I would also say that this movie is another example of how you can just further your connection with the Lord just by understanding just a little bit more about what happened to Jesus at his death. And I think that's so crucial in your walk of faith because if you don't understand what Jesus did, how are you saved? Because when we pray that prayer, when we get saved, we're thinking of this moment. He's the one who saved us. That's where saved comes from. In order for us to be saved, we need a savior and our savior is Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Exactly what this movie is portraying. Mm -hmm. And also along those lines of what must you do to be saved, I think a great example of not having to do anything besides believe is the thief on the cross. And 
that was also a hard scene to watch. Obviously, most of it is. But the thief on the cross who was repentant, he knew that he had done wrong. He knew that this death he deserved. But even as he hung there on the cross paying for his sins, he still knew that the man next to him was doing the exact same thing, paying it for him. And in a few minutes, that, that man died and saw Jesus in heaven. He did not need to go to church. He did not need to be baptized. While those things are things you get to do as a Christian, as, as it's kind of a dad quote, you don't have to, you don't need to, you get to. But that thief only needed to believe. That's not to say that that's all there is to Christianity, because there's a lot more. But believe with your heart that Jesus died and was raised again and you will be saved. It's simple, <laughs> but also it's not. Because it's more than just that, obviously. But at any time I'm just struggling, I think of that thief on the cross and I'm like, you know, it's never too late. There's still people that can be saved. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think of these people in my life personally that I'm like, you know what? No, I've given up on them. But that's not Christ-like because God didn't give up on anyone even someone at the cross dying right next to him who had lived their entire life of sin they had however old they are they had that many years that they were living in sin but the last five minutes of their life are the deciding factor of where they went and i still think that that's so encouraging and it helps me to understand that me as a human i want to give up on people that i want to be saved but that's not what i'm called to do it's never too late and i think that's a huge message that's found on that scene and it's even it's in the bible obviously but i just think it's so much cooler to picture that in the the scene of the movie something interesting i really read about the crucifixion scene is that during this i believe it's a part where they pull on jesus's arm and dislocate his shoulder in order to nail his other hand i believe what i had read was that it was mel gibson's hand who was holding like the the dummy or the prosthetic arm or whatever it was holding that hand down and it was his hand that swung the hammer that drove the nail in Mm. and i think that's it's huge because Again, it's just a representation of we're the reason he's up there. I think of that song. I'm not going to sing it for you because I have a horrible <laughs> singing voice. But it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. And that's a, that's a great, again, visual representation of that. He could have gotten off the cross at any point. But he, he stayed there because he loved us so much that he was willing to do it. He loved the criminal next to him who five minutes before he died realized what was going on. He loved the criminal to the other side of him who never realized that, but he still was willing to, to go to the lengths that he did for that man. It's, it's just such a, a wonderful thing to think about, but also it's so saddening to realize, yeah, it was, it was, I'm the reason he was up there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so heavy just thinking about that whole if i cried during this this recording put my face on for clickbait i, I give you permission yeah Fair enough. get those views i don't know get people to see this because honestly this movie i know has changed lives we had now it was a bit of a risky decision but at the camp that i taught at i technically am not wasn't allowed to do this but one of my campers really struggled with picturing Jesus because he he just didn't he didn't quite understand the extent that Jesus went to to save us and after talking with him for a while and just getting to know him throughout the week that I was counseling him I had come to the decision and he had also agreed I didn't just put this upon him by the way that he's he's a senior in high school at the time so he's plenty old to be able to watch this movie I think he's 17 so what I did 
is him and I, we stayed up on the very last night and him and I watched this movie together. And let me tell you, this movie's depiction of Jesus is life-changing for many people. And I've seen it firsthand. And just understanding that, yeah, Jesus died for me. Yes, that's awesome, but I'm the one who put him there. And that was monumental for this kid. And it's I, I love this movie so much, not only because of how much it speaks to me, but how much I've seen it speak to other people. And that's just so cool, especially in this crucifixion scene that we've been talking about. It's just, wow, you know? Really quick before we wrap up, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on the character of Satan, because I did not expect or think that he was going to show up, but Mel Gibson decided to have him be a character. Obviously, it was supposed to be like a ghost-type character. He wasn't actually there. He kind of dips in and out of visibility. But what did you think of his inclusion, always being there, and the, the face that he makes and all that, and even the end scene where, you know, you know the scene. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on him. I loved the idea of having Satan be like visible in the film because I definitely think that he was very, very prevalent in the situation of Jesus's actual death because I mean Satan obviously had a lot of his attention on Jesus during his life I mean we see that in the temptation of Jesus when he is tempted to turn rocks into bread you know the story but Satan had to go through every single effort to try and get Jesus to sin and especially in moments like Jesus's death of course he's gonna be there of course he's gonna be trying to do any last-ditch effort to just do whatever he can to twist it towards his will. Now, seeing him in those scenes isn't something that I'm necessarily thinking of while I'm reading the Bible. I definitely think about it when Jesus died and he went to hell, but seeing him like in the crowd or seeing him just in in a few different areas was definitely cool. Maybe cool isn't the right word, but definitely <laughs> interesting. Interesting, I'll give it that word. Just because I, I never really thought of it, you know? Mm. But Satan was definitely there. He was doing all of the work he can to make Jesus's time as miserable as possible trying to break him. And what's so awesome is he never broke. And he also was not understanding that this was all for a greater purpose, for Jesus to rise from the dead. He thought that he was tr killing the Son of God, which would have been monumental if it stayed that way, but it didn't, as we all know. Yeah, Spoiler it's... alert. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, the end of the movie has a huge twist. Come on. <laughs> Passion of the Christ 2? <laughs> we'll talk about that. I want to hear Isaac's thoughts. Oh, oh, wow, okay. I like to think of, like, the fact that Satan was there. I agree 100% that I, I definitely think he was there. And I almost like to think of it as like a chess game where Satan thought he was, you know, a couple of moves away from ending the game, capturing the king, winning it all. And he's, he's there to be present to witness that. And I mean, you know, in chess, you got to think a couple of moves ahead. I like to think that I like to think that Satan was, you know, playing a couple moves ahead, you know, the average Joe thinking a move or two ahead. And he wanted to be there to witness when his his thinking ahead paid off. And the fact that God was really just 10 moves ahead the entire time and Satan had no idea, I think it's a great way of showing. I just, yeah, maybe not great, but I, they do a good job, I think, of kind of keeping a little bit of a mask of confusion around who exactly that is. By the end, you kind of understand who it's supposed to be, but I think they do a good job of it being like, this is, because we know that Satan is a tempter and he can take many different forms. And the fact that this is something where we're not certain if it's friend or foe, if it's somebody we should be looking at for help or for, you know, to hate them. And I think it does a, a, 
a decent job of trying to show us the fact that Satan can take on those many forms. Yeah, I, I, I did like his addition, his, his menacing, almost cloud, his ever-presence of watching Jesus suffering was terrifying. But it is also good to have the, the understanding that now, because of what happened, what was portrayed in that movie, that he is now losing. He has he has lost already. He's declared victory, and his his battle is worthless right now. Do do we want to talk about Judas at all, or do we kind if of you want, wash, if you want? You. <laughs> What's that for? Terrifying children. I oh I, those children genuinely the night the night that I watched that scene I had nightmares about being chased yeah. by a bunch of children. I don't know what that whole thing was about. I don't know why they added that. I think it was supposed to be demons torturing Judas, but that was disturbing in a different way than the torture on and the cross was i don't i don't get it yeah i think it was to kind of just show the torment that judas went through that led him to kill himself but i maybe a fun fact the place that judas had killed himself my pastor has told me this many times so i don't actually have probably a good source but my pastor has told me many times and i trust him (laughs) but the area for like 50 miles around where they believe judas killed himself nothing grows hmm like yeah. it is the wasteland wasteland yeah i just think that's interesting i just at a at my our team meeting where we do devotionals together each morning just the other day we were talking about was judas redeemed before he died or was he completely a lost cause and it's kind of an interesting topic to discuss because he kind of was repentant and he said i've killed an innocent man betrayed innocent blood and he threw his coins back at the pharisees but i don't know it's a tough tough topic to cover now maybe maybe i'm confusing i know that this is a horrible sentence to say maybe i'm confusing the bible with a with a piece of literature that i read in high school dante's inferno Mm. i don't know if you read that but in Dante's Inferno, they depict Judas as being one of the most tortured people in hell. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's from, that's biblical or not. I believe that's Dante's Inferno. Is, is it Dante's Inferno? Yeah, I remember okay. Deacon mentioning it in the horror episode of uh, he's, uh, Satan is eternally gnawing on Judas. That's yeah. a, that's a artistic three heads, right? Yes, that is one, that is an artistic cool. description and assumption of what goes on. And maybe that has to do with Catholic tradition, but again, if the Catholic tradition is the only thing we're going off of and not the actual scriptures, then I don't know how how credible it is, but I understand yeah. where they could assume that from, but it's not it may not yeah. be biblical at all. I I thought that maybe I had heard that from Revelation. Revelation is the one book mm. that I try to avoid. I know that that is not right for me to do, but I just struggle to read it because of how scary it can be. Yeah. So I was confused if I had read that from Revelation or from Dante's Inferno. So. so as we wrap up, I want to let you guys know of something that apparently Isaac doesn't know about. Passion of the Christ Resurrection has just been announced just even a couple months ago. Apparently... Really? Apparently, Josh didn't know about this either. That's great. A sequel to The Passion of the Christ has been announced by Mel Gibson with the entire cast returning. Well, not the entire cast. Most of the main characters returning to play their characters, which is weird because they're 20 years older. But Mel Gibson, I think, is going to lean into the deep fakes and the de-aging technology we have now. So great for him. Apparently, this is all alleged because nothing has been released yet. Not much has been released. It will focus on the three days between Jesus' death and resurrection, which could be very controversial depending on how they write it. Gibson has said he has two scripts. One is a very one is a very structured and stable. This is his own words. Structured and stable. The other is an acid trip. His words. Visiting other realms. <laughs> 
visiting other realms, hell, seeing angels falling from heaven. That's what he has said about the the other script that is a little bit out there. I believe he would be leaning into the Catholic tradition of, not tradition, but theory that Jesus went to hell and fought Satan for three days. There is some biblical basis for that, but if it's coming straight from Catholic tradition and theory and belief, then it could be a little bit controversial. I, I just want to, I don't want to discredit it before it comes out. I probably will see it because it is interesting, but I wanted to let you guys know that it, to go in with, into it with caution, at least at this point where we don't know anything about it. Cause if there, he, if he's making a movie about what Catholics hold as truth, which may not be based in the, the, scriptures at all, then it's not something to be praised as much as we are praising this movie. We don't really have any, a lot of biblical recordings on what happened in between those three days, at least with Jesus. So yeah, I think if if a lot of it is about Jesus, I think we do have to be very careful with what is said. I think if he uses the disciples in it and what they're going through, it, again, I think as long as that's biblically accurate, we can take that with how it is. But yeah, I think we'd have to be very careful with how it's portrayed if that is really the plot line of the movie is following Jesus in those three days. I, I just know a lot of people are dying to figure out what happens after <laughs> the the post-credit scene. No, it's not a post-credit <laughs> scene, but at the end of The Passion of the Christ because, I don't know, huge cliffhanger, man. I want. I wish there was a way only that if, I could figure out what happened. Only if you skipped the last, like... 30 seconds of the movie if you miss those last yeah. 30 seconds or you you look down at your phone or something or there was a bunch of water in your eyes for some reason i don't know i don't know what you're doing man <laughs> yeah but honestly if somebody were to watch that and they somehow did not know the story of jesus death and resurrection they would be very confused and depressed and depressed but i believe that almost almost everyone if they didn't know it before the story before would probably want to learn more about it I would hope that's that's what these movies that have Christian themes in them. I would hope they do. They, I, I can't absolutely say that they do. But even I say that I, I want to talk about Evan Almighty sometime because it is such a ridiculous movie. And yet it has some deep biblical themes and it can draw people to actually like think about Noah's Ark and want to know the real story. So we'll talk about that at a different time. But with that said, that is the end of the episode. Thank you, Josh and Isaac, for joining me. We had a great discussion here on the podcast. I would encourage you guys to go join our Discord so we can talk about this more. Follow our Instagram for updates and short-form content, which is also on YouTube and TikTok. We also have video podcasts on YouTube. You're not missing anything. It's just the same thing, but you get to see our faces. Don't know why you'd want that, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe you're better off. Maybe you're better off listening on, on audio only. If you guys are interested, go check out our Easter-themed audio drama. Again, I wrote it. I think it's all right, but you are the ones to decide that. Go listen to that and let us know what you think. My co-hosts are playing rock, paper, scissors, and I think that's code for being done. Again, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you, listener, for listening. We hope you have a great day. We love you all. Peace out. Oh, morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.